Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we will discuss the quarterfinal results of the Carabao Cup and preview the Super Double Derby Weekend of North London and in Manchester. But first, Chelsea are in full-blown crisis, crisis, crisis. So if you don't know, uh, Chelsea played Fulham today in London. It was a makeup game for one of the Queen's death weekends when we weren't sure exactly what was going to go on or what was going to happen there. But this game, um, uh, Jao Felix did play. He just signed from Atletico Madrid on a very large loan. And they played well at first, you know, normal Chelsea stuff. Uh, Aspilicueta in there, uh, Koulibaly, along with along with um, Thiago Silva, uh, the young boy Hall played. And Chelsea were okay. They did what they needed to do. They were moving around okay. Um, but again, Willian, old washed up, was literally in uh, Palmeiras, not at the beginning of the season. And he scores a goal, deflects off of of Chalaba's legs. And really, Chelsea just never created enough. They were still defensive, a little bit better. I thought Felix made a huge difference. Uh, The game is, I don't think, what's interesting. I think the part that's interesting to me about this was I did not think Chelsea were going to win this game. Fulham are better. Um, Graham Potter has not got a hold of this team yet at all. It is still playing in the similar way to the way that it played under Tuchel towards the end there. It's still listless. It's still disconnected. And there are weak spots that are weak. And I mean weak. Cesar Azpilicueta just cannot defend anymore. Uh, listen, he's not, by no means old. I mean, he's 33 years old. But, you know, in football, you get you get the miles on your legs and you simply can't continue. Um, Fulham did. Uh, um, Chelsea did pull level on a cool uh, free kick that Mason Mount hit off the bar and Koulibaly uh, bundled in. But then later on, uh, Vinicius Jr., on a really nice header from Andres Pereira, who's a great player, and that West Brom, and that he was available and grabbed was amazing late in the second half. So in the 73rd minute, Vinicius heads up, and he looks like Mitrovic when he scores the goal. Spurs fans are like, where the fuck was that? (laughs) Uh, And so it just never happened. But that was after Jao Felix in his first game just, I don't know what he was thinking. He goes flying in the air into a tackle, running at full speed, and does and does Teddy in the leg. It's just, he just nailed him. And so, you know, Chelsea went from bad to worse. They were level at the time, but once the red card came, now I wouldn't say the team was dejected, but it's just, what is Felix doing? Why does he think that's a good idea? Is he just too amped? I don't know. But in terms of a game, it, it ceased to be a game, although... I thought, weirdly, Chelsea played better down a man, which is very typical, especially the last few rounds of the game. You know, normal stuff went on. But um, to see 
Willian constantly at the same age as Aspilicueta. Just do him. Uh, and then, you know, Kepa, Rez, Kepa still back doing his weird goalkeeping. He's not a good keeper. He has moments, but the game before, the cross from 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 Jack Grealish was poor. And I think this is just really indicative of a rot at Chelsea that is beyond one season, that is beyond holding on to within the context of a single game or a single moment. Uh, we do have to talk about Chelsea. We use, I, I do want to sort of take a step back and go, narrative-wise, we use the term club in crisis all the time. Essentially, there's a rotating who is the crisis club, who is the banter club that kind of goes around, right? For sometimes it's Liverpool when they lose a game. Sometimes it's United when they lose a game. Sometimes it's City, and we'll talk about that later. Sometimes it's, you know, Arsenal if they if they have an injury or something happens or whatever. So the narrative is to try and not be the crisis club as often as possible. But we use it too often when there's not really a crisis. Like Liverpool are not in crisis, right? They transitioning. Klopp still has complete control of the team. They're still playing for him. They're still playing hard. It's just they have to transition as a problem. Uh, United in the early part of the season when they lost those two early games, Ten Hag was just trying to assess what he had, figure out how to play, make sure in the transfer window he found the player that he needed in Casemiro and go from there. Chelsea are really in crisis. They've now lost eight of their last 10, and three in a row in the league, something that's not been done for 15, 10 years. They are slipping down the standings. It doesn't appear that Bowley and his team know what they're doing. They sort of just grabbed Felix just because he's a name and he's supposed to be good. Um, Potter is... Potter looks like a championship-level coach getting a hold of... uh, Tiffany brand team. I mean, would Ole do any worse? I mean, I was kidding around the other day with John on chat, just like Ole at the wheel. Is this Potter at the wheel? He looks lost. There's nothing of the swagger. There's nothing of the buy-in of the intricate passes, the pressing, all the stuff that happened at Brighton that I watched regularly. And let me tell you, that team could play. That team was good. That team defended well. That team was cohesive. And it happened in Brighton immediately. Right when Potter took over. Yes, he had a full preseason. They completely changed the way they play. They were no longer Chris Helton's team. They were Potter's team immediately. Did the results come? No, but they could play. This Chelsea team, I'm seeing nothing. There's nothing of Potter in this. Zero. And I think the the big uh, to-do that's happening with Chelsea is we are completely unaware of how much damage the invasion of Ukraine did to this team. We can argue and now say that Vladimir Putin not only destroyed his own country, destroyed supply chains, destroyed Ukraine, he destroyed Chelsea and probably Shakhtar Donetsk, who are going to sell Murdoch. The 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 forced sale of Abramovich, because he was on a list of known Putin associates, stripped... Chelsea of its complete identity. It stripped it of all its institutional knowledge. The only thing that's there is that blue shirt and the stands and the memory of what supporters think Chelsea are. 
it's all gone. It's empty. And I think that's part of what was going on with Tuchel in the back half of last season, where he was like, why am I managing this club? Why am I on all the transfers? What am I doing here? I'm supposed to just coach and win games. Why do I need input about paint color and 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 who an agent is? Why is this agent calling me? I'm sure that's still happening at Chelsea, or maybe it's slowly getting undone. But I think that's where we are with Chelsea, where it's hollowed out. It's empty. It's it's um it's like a corporate buyout where you know that you show up and the chairs are gone, and you're like, this is it. You know, it'd be like if you walked into a Kmart in Texas in, you know, 1999, you'd be like, what the fuck, what, what is going on here? This is a disaster. So while Potter is a good coach, is he a good coach when there's no infrastructure? Is he a good coach when there isn't a clear vision set from the top at, at Brighton, Tony Bloom was the owner and chairman of the team. He was a Brighton fan and he was running that club from the perspective of, this is what we do. This is how we do it. We have a plan. We're getting Ainsworth in, all these things. What's happening at Chelsea? None of us know that. There's a director of football. What does Bully know? Does anyone trust him? Is he hiring the right people? There's nothing. We, t- Mike and I, I think two years ago now, talked about Marina Graniskaya as the best female executive in world sport. She was running Chelsea. She was getting those deals off the line. She was the one dealing with Frank Lampard. She's the one who hired Tuchel. She's the one that negotiated all those contracts. And they kicked her out. She left with Abramovich. Abramovich was, I mean, she started as Abramovich's secretary. Don't read into that. <laughs> but she was running Chelsea. And all that's gone. And I think that's what we're seeing with Chelsea and where they are right now. But I do want to go to... The Carabao Cup. And um, we had the quarterfinals. Uh, Some of them were good. Some of them were better than others. But I do want to touch on it. And I know all you, all my friends from Liverpool and my friends from Manchester United, from the red side of Manchester, want to talk about this. But let uh, let us start with the mighty fighting trees of Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. One Wolves won. And they win on penalties. What a match. Uh, Our friend Christian was there. He tried to call our WhatsApp group to let us know how mad it was. Willie Bully with the goal early. And Raul Jimenez, luckily, thankfully, he scored a goal as well. Nice stuff from him. But Forrest do fight on. Forrest do take this game seriously. It is the best group that um, I think can play. Uh, although we didn't see uh, Owenu up front, but but Johnson and Gibbs White and Furler and Yates and Joe Worrell and Bowley and Henderson and Lodi and Oriel. Uh, Mangala is the sort of third midfielder who's been playing of late. So I think uh, Cooper is getting his team right. But uh, you had Lopetegui on the other side. So this was this is really good stuff. And and um, Wolves did put a good side out. When I see Matinho in, I always think that Wolves is better. Raul Jimenez playing up front. So I think that Lopetegui is still trying to find out what he's got in his team. Um, Aiton Nori, Huang, and Guedes is in. So a lot of good players. But this game was all fight. Again, the 12th man, the Forest, 
carrying forest. Forests at home are not forests away. <laughs> when you go to the city ground, you are in for some shit. And the penalties went pretty tight. It was 3-3. Um, you know, but you always felt like Henderson would find the save because he's just that good of a goalkeeper. Even though Saw is no slouch, uh, Saw basically carried Wolves to a higher level the previous season. But uh, yeah, this was good. I did only watch watch the highlights and the penalty, but we were in the WhatsApp group uh, of the Squeaky Bum Time, just going through penalties together. Uh, and so excited for Forrest to go through, and uh, now they they do get united in the semifinal. So that'll be another big day. That's money in the bank. This is why Forrest is in the league. And what I was talking about last week uh, around moments and around around items like this, this is why we, we love football. This is why fans follow losing teams. And it's what we're missing in American sport. We don't have this level of it's win or nothing. We don't have plucky good fun teams we only have win 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 uh and so it's pretty frustrating there but i do want to go on to newcastle um who are also a team not not in the vein of um not in the vein of forest but in terms of suffering fans in terms of suffering fans newcastle have been suffering now, they did get the win, and they are at a different place than Forrest. But for the fans, like, let's take all the money aside. Let's take all that stuff aside, all that hurt, all that feeling. Newcastle had been sort of dying in the Premier League, whereas Forrest were kind of in the championship of dying. They were a level down. Forrest were just kind of there to have Steve Bruce and and hang on with Dower Rafa Benitez and all this stuff. And you have the piff thing, and we have the sport washing thing, which... You know, as a city fan, I can't really, I don't have a pot to piss in. Yes, oil. Yes, all those things are true. What am I supposed to do? Do I know what hedge fund managers do? They somehow get a pass. They're not exactly good guys either, but whatever. I'm not going to fight about the morality of Saudi Arabia versus Qatar versus Abu Dhabi versus this or that. But anyway, Newcastle's fans deserve good play and they're getting it. I think, uh, Newcastle just beat, they've now, they beat Leicester three times and it seems like they've played them three times in the last couple of weeks, but they beat Leicester again um, and they move on with a really good performance and two guys who scored goals that just embody what Eddie Howe has done for this team. So um, really dominant performance, you know, Leicester are not up for this level anymore. Um in fact, Brendan Rodgers said that over the last three years, their net spend is $10 million. I'd have to check on that, but it just goes to show where Leicester are. They haven't spent money. But, you know, Newcastle, 22 shots, nine on target to Leicester's seven. I mean, even winning the possession game, Leicester just, I mean, Newcastle just play with more force, especially at home, especially at St. James's Park. And the two goal scorers, Dan Byrne on 60 and Joe Linton on 72, were just a, they both epitomize the spirit of this team. It's a hardworking, powerful, athletic, square peg and round hole kind of team where Joe Linton was played as a number nine because he looks like one, but he's not one. Dan Byrne is played as a fullback. He does not look like one. He looks like 
you know, Peter Crouch as a fullback. And he, and he's delicately a one-two after a turnover, pops in, continues his run, tough angle shot, looks like a striker, scores a striker's goal on the angle while going down. And just in the Gallagher end, he's a boyhood Newcastle fan, and he just lifts the spirits of the team. And this team has spirit, and they're connected. And this Carabao Cup, um, it means something. It is not insignificant. It means something to a team like Newcastle. Uh, these are the things that are all about context, about where you are in your journey. It's very typical for a new manager in the UK to win the Carabao Cup first. Uh, uh, Pep Guardiola did it. Um, Pep Guardiola did it. Uh, Mourinho did it. And now maybe Ten Hag will do it because Man United three, um, Charlton nil, Anthony with the goal early. And uh, we see that United are serious about this. Ten Hag is serious about it. And it's a good opportunity. It's a good springboard for United, who are now the favorites. They just have to somehow uh, get through get through Newcastle. Will not be easy. <laughs> but they do. To get to the final, they have to beat Forrest at the city ground. United should be able to beat Forrest at the city ground. Um, if they can't, I don't know. You know that, that would be a setback, I think, at this point for United. Anthony with the goal, curler from way out, left-footed, of course, because he can't shoot any other way. And then two goals late on the break, one a penalty and one just scored by uh, Rashford. He's got like 40,000 goals in his last five or six games. So Rashford are moving. Uh, United are moving. Everything's growing. Every Everything's happening. Everything's moving. Everything's going. Everything is happening for United. Just had a minor interruption from my daughter who likes to interrupt my shows, even though she knows that I'm doing my show. So um, United cruising there. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of shout out to you to Ten Hog. He's really got this team moving. Again, a dominant performance, 21 shots, five on target, same group, not fucking around anymore with this. You know, Maguire gets a burn. Lissandro Martinez gets burned. McTominay and Fred in the game. Gets young Manu some time, even though he gets subbed off. Alanga. So he did take it. He did let the team blood some players in. But United showing depth, giving youngsters an opportunity. Something that is in the DNA of United. And teams have to play to their DNA. I think it's really important. But they get the win and they get Forrest. So... Christian and John, you guys will both be at each other's throats for this Carabao Cup semifinal coming up. Is it two legs? Uh, the only thing is Dean Henderson will not play, has been confirmed. Dean Henderson will not play for the great and powerful um, Forest. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for, I've been pussyfooting around it. Uh, this is the moment. I will set it at 19:30. City nil. Newcastle. I mean Southampton two. Just a terrible performance by City. Just one of the worst performances you could see. 
the Dell was on I'm the Dell. That's their own stadium. St. Mary's is on fire. And um, they luckily, Southampton, literally sitting at the bottom of the table, six losses on the bounce, got their team off the schneid. They are moving. They played well. They deserved it. Uh, nothing City did looked good. Everything was disjointed. And this is just one of those games where you're just, you just felt like, what version of City is this? And they actually, for once, came out and really, really took a shot at each other. Like, um, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Nathan Jones, the manager there, uh, finally gets a good win for Southampton. Ilkay Gundogan basically said, I don't know where the spirit and fight is for City. Something is missing. Um, I don't think it's something that's missing. I think something has been added and it's making it different. Um, I think the addition of Holland has changed City. Uh, he's such a personality, such a force of will. It's not a complaint, folks. But City have had to change the way they play. And that adaptation of being a focal point, of giving the ball to De Bruyne to send it into the wings and playing that way has sort of taken away from the overall team responsibility to score goals. They now just look to Holland to score goals. And I think that's somewhat changed the team a little bit. Um, There are several players that are way out of form. Cancelo, who, if Mike was still in the show, was our favorite player. He was this marauding fullback who seems completely shot of confidence, got pulled at the first half. Um, Kyle Walker, while he's getting later in his 30s, Pep sort of yanks him and moves him around. And City just aren't flowing. They're not connected. They did not have a shot on goal against mighty Southampton. And there's just really not much more to say, just that from my perspective, I'm glad that it was the Carabao Cup. City have won this tournament four times, won it four in a row. It doesn't hurt that bad to lose it. You know, it's not it's not a tournament that other countries even have a second cup. This is a, an unusual one that only exists be, because in the 50s, when uh, teams got lights, they wanted something to do with their stadiums during the midweek so they because they could play at night. If you have to keep remembering, soccer games in the UK were all played at three o'clock on Saturday across the country. Every single game, all of them. There were no TV schedules. Every game in every locality was at three o'clock on Saturday, period. It was came from the factory times that teams would have Sundays off. It was a, and it was blue. So you'd go to church, you wouldn't drink, but Saturday half days, are why we have sports at all because guys needed something to do after doing their half day, getting their wage pack, they'd go to the ball game at three o'clock. That's why football's on at three o'clock on Saturdays. But in the fifties, when teams started getting lights and getting uh, lights on their stadiums to do night games or to deal with uh, darkness in the UK, they wanted something to do. And the FA in its wisdom made this other tournament aside from the FA cup, called the League Cup, which is the EFL, the the league that is organized and run by the FA, um, not the Premier League. The Premier League didn't exist. And that's the only reason it exists. It's this extra thing because they needed a date 
to use your lights. It's also why the European Cup exists as well. Um, it was a night midweek. You could play under the lights. Anyway, television, history, money, all interesting. But City just lose the Carabao Cup and Southampton, good on them. That's a a very inconsistent young team. I think during the season, they were the one team that, yeah, they would lose, but you could get a performance out of them. And just like, what version of Southampton is this that just showed up and just kicked ass? Um, and And that's where... We are there. Uh, you guys can make fun of me. I'm not upset, but I am going to voice my concerns <laughs> when we get to the um, previews for the Premier League, which we will start now. So, on to the Premier League. Our favorites, um, the best of the best. We did have a match week. I did talk about it. So the Fulham-Chelsea game was a Premier League game, but that was a makeup game for match week seven. Let us go through the schedule. Then we will stop and get on to the big games. First, tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday, Aston Villa play Leeds. That's a really good game. Jesse Marsh has his boys moving in a decent direction. They are on the form table. Leeds have two draws in a row. I'm just going to check up on it. Just want to make sure that I'm clear about where our friends from Leeds are. Leeds have two draws in a row. Uh, They have one win in their last five with two draws. So they're not in the bottom three. They're in 14th, and they will be playing Aston Villa in 11th, who since Unai Emery came on, they have a win at United, then another win at Brighton, a loss to Liverpool, which was frankly bizarre. Then they beat Tottenham which is when Tottenham was in crisis, quote-unquote, and they drew just now against Aston Villa on a late goal that they could have lost. So Aston Villa come in playing well. Unai Emery has righted the ship there. So it'll be an interesting game of two managers that approach things very differently, right? On the one hand, you have Unai Emery, who's a tactician, a videotape guy, a non-warm and cuddly, but you feel fucking prepared kind of guy versus the American coach who's just like, Rah, rah, all spirit, all heart. Now, I'm sure he does X's and O's, but that's their positioning in this thing. That'll be a fun game to watch tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll chat about it in the old, um, the old, um, the old, the old um, chat form that we have. <laughs> Sorry for forgetting that for a second. Then, Wolves, the Saturday lunchtime games. Well, 7 a.m. Pacific. Wolves, West Ham. This is a... Uh, we need Wolves and West Ham. This is a six-pointer at this point. Lopetegui had them playing well. They did just lose to Forrest, and West Ham did have do play well as well, but they both need the points here. Forrest versus Leicester. At home, I like Forrest against Leicester. Until James Madison comes back, I don't think Leicester are winning shit. Brighton at home versus Liverpool. Woo-woo-woo-woo! Upset special. I'm calling it right here. I've put money on this game. I've got a parlay with Fulham and Brighton. That's going to be 20 bucks to win me 240. Take Brighton and the points. No, no, no. Uh, Brighton uh, playing well. Deserby has them going well. They play Liverpool really well. If Liverpool play that high line and try and fuck around with Brighton, they're going to get beat. Brighton at home. I don't think this would be a surprise upset. You know it, Manny. I know it. Brighton are fucking good. Then Everton, Southampton, a real six-pointer. Everton at home. Frank Lampard, if you lose this game, you're fucking fired. 
Okay, that's it. This is a steel cage match. Loser goes home. Southampton coming off the great game against um, against City. They should take that lineup, play it again. But uh, they really do need a goalkeeper. I don't know why they're playing Bazuna. But Everton, you've got to fucking win this game. I don't like you that much, but for fuck's sake, get it done. Then, Brighton, Brentford at home versus Bournemouth. A good little game, but Bournemouth are starting to slip. Bournemouth, uh, three losses in a row. Got beat by United. Got beat by Palace. Got beat by Chelsea. Now we know getting beat by Chelsea means you fucking stink. Their last one, their last win was against Everton at home, of course. And then the wild game uh, before the World Cup break, 4-3 versus Bournemouth. But Bournemouth are starting to slip. They are the worst team in XG. You would expect them to be in the bottom three, and I expect them to get relegated. So uh, this is a big game for them. Brentford, the only undefeated team on the former table with three wins and two draws. They are flying high. Uh, I'm not sure if Ivan Tony is coming back. Uh, he still does have that gambling thing that's not going anywhere. But London team Brighton ahead of Chelsea. Chelsea are the second. Well, they're not the worst team in London, but they're the worst team in West London. Fulham and Brentford ahead of Chelsea on the west side of London. <laughs> um, we keep going. We go into Sunday. That Brentford-Bournemouth game is a late game on Saturday, 9.30. Into Sunday early, we have Chelsea versus Palace. Again, Chelsea have to win. They're at home against Palace. Palace are slipping. When are you going to get this done, Grand Potter? If you're not going to win against Crystal Palace, who the fuck are you going to beat? It has to happen. I'm not being funny. He could get fired. Bowley, we don't know how he's going to react. And then two teams, Fulham just played... Uh, Thursday, and they're going to come into a Sunday. Thursday, Sunday might be a little bit leggy against Newcastle, who played a day early, just one day earlier. So maybe not too bad. But Newcastle Fulham at St. James's Park, a really good game for Sunday. And then we will get into both North London derbies. So let's start in North London. Uh, both derbies, one in Manchester, one in North London. Um, it's Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This is the big one. This is the one that City fans expect there to be blood in the water. Please bloody the mouth of Arsenal. Uh, Tottenham at home are different than Tottenham on the road. Um, hopefully Kulishevsky is available. If he's not, it will be tough. The form table is even 1-3. Uh, they're both three. Uh, they both have won three of the last six, um, and that's interesting. But um, Arsenal are flying high. They're much better, much more cohesive team to Spurs right now. Um, just trying to make sure I can see if there's any injury information. I'm not seeing any right now. Um, the, the big check would be on on Kulishevsky. Where is he? What's he doing? He makes a huge difference. Um, we know that Gabriel Jesus is out. Let's see injuries. Richarlison, Kulisevsky, and Basuma and Betancourt hope to recover for this game. Um, uh, Lucas Mora remains out. Um, Spurs do have advantage. They have won six of seven against Arsenal at home in all competitions. I expect we'll see more of the same from Spurs. That kind of defensive, wait for a mistake kind of style 
that we've come to expect from Spurs. Uh, Arsenal come into this game flying. Um, and Ketia has basically replaced Gabriel Jesus in that he's working hard and getting enough goals to make the thing work. Arsenal have so many good players that, you know, if it's not Martinelli, it's Saka. If it's not Saka, it's Odegaard. If it's not Odegaard, then you'll get something from Inketia. So they get different um, contributions from different players at different times where it can't, you don't, it's not solely coming from one place. Whereas the difference for Tottenham is it's only Kane and now not even Sun. It's literally only Kane and Betancourt who's rescued their ass three times, four times. So they need him. The issue for Spurs is they play a defensive style. They don't have the defenders to do it. Um, I'd like to see them try and take the game more to Arsenal. Uh, It would behoove Conte to be on the front foot and play with force and energy. Uh, These games tend to be draws, but, you know, the form table says Arsenal should win this, but in the North London Derby, anything is possible. Be on the lookout for Shaka. He's always good for a red card. Maybe this will be his one mishap for the season. Arteta has been out of his mind and going, if Conte is smart, he will wind Arteta up on the sideline and try and drive him nuts to get the superior team in Arsenal, let's be fair, to play out of their normal controlled way. Um, Arsenal is the younger team. Spurs are the veteran team. So I would expect Spurs to try and shithouse this thing up. They should go full Cholismo, go full Simeone, get a goal from Kane, and then just rough up Arsenal. Not that Arsenal can't handle it. We know Arsenal can, but that would be how I approach this game. If you're going to be defensive, be defensive and tough and aggressive and don't sit off. You can be a low block and play tough. And I think Tottenham are at their best when they play that way versus the kind of passive wait to give up a goal and then kind of try and hang on. Spurs have defensive strength in them, but I think you know the weakness is if you get at the back line, there's trouble. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good one for sure. And we go on to our friends in Manchester as we get another measuring stick of the Ten Hog experience. Um, I think we know what City are. Um, I do, you know, City are the foil. We are the the man in black. We are the man with the twirly mustache, the robotic other low emotion team. And we play that role. We play the foil for Arsenal, plucky Arsenal. We're playing the foil for United and Ten Hag. We just are the foil for football in England right now. Um, without us, we're the bad guy. Uh, Holland has imbued some personality into the team, but he's not really touching the ball. He's not really flair. He requires that De Bruyne do something. And when De Bruyne's off or things aren't working, then it doesn't work. And right now, City are such a precision team that, and when it works, it just looks like it's the most amazing thing in the world and it can feel boring. And I understand why people say that. But when it goes bad, like it has 
somewhat for the last couple of weeks. The precision and the need for it to be perfect really shows up. And that's where City are right now. They are in a moment where they're not sharp. Uh, De Bruyne, you know, he's had a couple of real stinkers where he just loses the ball or we're, we're in possession for possession's sake. And, and Phil Foden hasn't scored a goal. He's just hanging out wide and not being direct and getting into the goal. And Holland is just there, starves of service, and he has to do karate kicks to score goals because everyone just collapses into him. And City aren't being fluid. There's not that interchange of things. Now, you know, City could score a goal early and United could flop. It could happen. Uh, Casemiro was not there in the 6-3 when Holland scored a hat-trick in a half an hour. And that was kind of one of those moments where, where is Ten Hag? Where is United? They had played well for a minute and then just got the doors blown off blown off them. They, they had started playing. They played Ericsson deeper, but then tried to play with United. With City and City are just like, yeah, you can't play with us. So don't try and do that. Uh, I expect that United at home will play deep and try and hit City on the break, which is what they should do. Um, Casemiro will draw turnovers. Um, I don't like the... I don't like United's defense. I think that'll be a problem. If it's Maguire, if it's Varane, if it's Lissandro Martinez, I don't know how they're going to... Mark Holland, um, you know, it's really about stopping the balls before they get to him. But Holland can muscle anyone out of the way. So this might be more of the same. City, of course, are favorites, blah, 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 narrative, narrative, narrative. It is a derby. It is difficult. This is a good United side. They are playing well. They are in a purple patch. You do have a goal scorer in Rashford. You may have Vout Veghorst, a secretly... A giant, a player who English pundits are so stupid, they see a guy who's 6'5 and just assume you th- click the ball on his head when really he's a skillful player who plays with the ball as feet and is a and, and basically plays like a player who's 5'7. He's more Jared Bowen than Mitrovic, let's say. So uh, I don't know what'll happen. I'm hoping City win uh, because if we don't and it becomes. Arsenal up by up by eight if they beat Spurs and City don't. Eight points is a lot, even at the break. Eight points is a lot, and you'd have to expect Arsenal to play badly down the stretch for City to catch them. So I'm afraid uh, it's very not in the face, even though City have played well over the year against um against United. This is a this is a this is a big 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 fucking game. I mean, about as massive as it gets. We've got two massive 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 games to deal with in terms of uh how that works and what it means and where it all goes together. I do want to sort of talk about you know, with a derby going on, what is this concept? What is it what is it? It's it's we don't really have anything like this in the US. I mean in college college football has SEC stuff. It's got Alabama and and Auburn and is it big like these? 
is it is it as big as as that? I don't think so. I think it's it's the pressure of the historical places, the density of England, of how close everything is together, of how much working class angst, of how much these football teams mean. We've been talking a lot about moments and connectivity and how these derbies are moment generators because most times only one team wins the league, one team wins the FA Cup. You know, in England, we've only, over the last 30 years, there's only been six different Premier League champions. One of them was Leicester, one of them was Blackburn, so less than that. And so what moments do you have for your team to mark a season? So, you know, we know I can think of, you know, Harry Kane outside the boot into Arsenal scoring goals or the uh, Theo Walcott on the stretcher holding up two fingers because he scored two goals. You know, there's North London derbies that just mean so, so much that are just held on to. They're moments that never end. They become um, fixture things that are always going to be there. The 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 six one by City uh, on their way to the first title uh, when 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 United had a man sent off as the changing of the guard. Now, had City lost the league, that wouldn't have meant as much. But that game became a changing of the guard in retrospect as a narrative for those City fans who grew up in in Manchester just getting abused as children by United fans winning year after year after year after year and City just holding on to the 81 FA Cup, a 1974 League Cup, uh, and Gillingham 99 FA Cup playoff. I mean, you know, we were kidding around the other day about, you know, when, when United were winning the treble, City were in a League Cup playoff at Wembley going against Gillingham, against Tony Pulis's Gillingham. And that was the biggest moment of their lives. But it's not anything to these moments. So when City and United play, all that history, all the pain, all the angst, all of the stuff that makes fandom fandom comes through again. Um, you know, I, I think of I think of a great moment, a funny one. Um, we went to myself when I first met Manny, myself, John, and uh, Manny. We woke up at like an ungodly hour. Went to um, uh, L.A. Coliseum to go to the Premier League Fan Fest, and it was the it was the five one Liverpool against United, and the face John had and the giggling that that Manny had was what it was about. I mean, it's not a pure derby, but Liverpool Man United is about as passionate as you get, and. You know, it, it just became something else. It became a, a moment for Liverpool fans to relish the end of Ollie. I mean, Ollie was cooked that he might have been fired right after that. Um, but those those things live on or or the Everton Everton's pain of losing to Liverpool in brutal ways with a Rigi the doink off the bar. All those things, there's so many for, for Everton fans, they just want to win against Liverpool more than anything in the world. It would make their season. So these games, this North London Derby. For Spurs, if they can dent Arsenal's title chances with a win, if United can stake its claim to maybe finishing third, why shouldn't they? To maybe finishing second, why shouldn't they? 
they could win all their they could all of a sudden just kick on uh, the right signing at, at in, in January. Why can't United? This isn't a great this city side is playing weirdly. Why could why can't why not United? Why can't United win the league? I don't know. Maybe this is the moment. And that's what it means. So I think when as you watch your games, as you follow your teams, as you fall in love with the game, as you feel the moments, the tension, the sadness, the yelling, referees, VAR decisions, they mean more in these games, more than anyone can understand. They they are life and death, but not life and death. <laughs> they don't mean anything, right? This is it's the least important, most important thing in the world, uh, the Premier League. So let's just go through it one more time, and then we'll see, we'll say goodbye. Villa tomorrow, United Man City Saturday early, then all the, the goal zone games, West Ham Wolves, Leicester Forest, Everton, Southampton, Brighton, Liverpool. I've got money on that game. I've got one leg of the parlay. Come on, Brighton. Then the late game Saturday is, is Brentford, Bournemouth. Sunday, 6 a.m., 9 Eastern, Chelsea Palace must win. Then Newcastle also at that time. And then Sunday late is the... North London Derby. We end the week on Tottenham versus Arsenal. Wow. E wow. Okay. I'm going to say goodbye. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with your host, Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sport Network, and we are part of the premier streaming network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And download Marble, my app that I'm working on and working with. Enjoy your football.